You're listening to Bridging Realities, an accessible astrology podcast with your host, Eugenia Crock. In this podcast, I work to build a more professional astrology by bridging the seemingly esoteric, scientific, and complicated concepts of astrology into grounded, practical use for empowering yourself and your clients in everyday life. To learn more about the podcast and to find out how you can participate in more intimate conversations about astrology through learning opportunities, getting your chart read, or by joining the Bridging Realities tribe, be sure to visit AccessibleAstrology.com. For now, pop in your earbuds, hit the trail, relax on your commute, or listen wherever you experience your place of peace and ceremony, and enjoy these insights. May they be beneficial in grounding your experiences while reminding you of the brilliance of the gods and the goddesses above. Welcome to episode 84 of Bridging Realities, an accessible astrology podcast. I am your host, Eugenia Crock. Back after a six-week tour around North America, specifically the northeastern portion of North America, out on a tour to meet all of you lovely humans who listen to the podcast and support my work. And I'm back with a lot to say. In fact, this week I will be posting two totally different episodes because I have so much to say. Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of insight gained when one hits the road for six weeks. And after 6,500 miles driven, two countries, 19 states later, having the opportunity to meet lots of new people, unexpected surprises, and people that set me up for meetings with their friends and loved ones, and all of the amazing opportunities I had to connect with listeners and new individuals. Here I am with a lot to share and a lot to say. So where do I begin? (laughs) Where do I begin? Oh my. Well, I might as well start by saying this episode is going to be about the astrology of 2018 and the rest of 2018. In this episode, I will have Tarek, my love, my partner on the podcast with me. And this is an episode we recorded weeks and weeks ago when we were in Montreal, Canada. And I never posted it because the trip was, well, it was originally called the comeback tour. And now I call it the failure tour because what I learned being on the road for six weeks was mistake after mistake after mistake and have, you know, don't be worried. This was amazing and incredible. And I, I really, this has probably been one of the greatest experiences in my life being on tour to meet all of you and to, to, to talk to all of you and meet your, your friends and family and et cetera. But along the way, I really fucked up a lot, <laughs> like a lot. Uh, Saturn, of course, is currently in Capricorn. And what Saturn teaches us is our limits and our limitations. And I think I went onto the road expecting it would be easy or expecting I could handle it easily. Um, as if I was 20, but turns out I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm in my my 30s and my mid to late 30s now. And 
turns out I have limitations and it was very hard to compose myself and to, to be on it, uh, during those six weeks, because literally every night my pillow changed, uh, from city to city. And it was this constant readjustment process and hotel booking and yada, 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 and swamped with emails uh, that both myself and my team could not field, uh, was not prepared for all of the, um, emails we would be getting and the invitations we'd be getting from all of you around the, the country and the world. And so, I learned uh, what not to do, <laughs> and I. Uh, but that's life. I mean, that's the beauty of going out and trying things. Is going out realizing you'll probably fuck up big time, but those massive mistakes are the key to success. And I feel very excited to continue this work, to continue hitting the road to meet all of you with a lot of new knowledge learned and gained. And a lot of you have reached out to me from separate parts of the country, like Texas and California, Oregon, Seattle, and up in Canada and Australia and Europe and all over the world. And I'm here to say I am ready for you. This is absolutely what I want to be doing. I want to be traveling and I want to be meeting all of you and coming out from behind this screen and this microphone and actually making human connection and breaking bread with all of you. And that leads me to uh, one of two announcements. Well, maybe three announcements. The first thing I want to talk to all of you about is breaking bread. I don't think I realized how isolated I had become in my life, being a super Aquarius person, living in the mountains of Colorado, meeting clients online and doing a podcast. Uh, you know, I don't break bread with people as much as I could or should. And I think that a lot of us are in that situation right now with these new little robots in our hands and these robots that we look into every day who are collecting our data and... Um, <laughs> taking over the world. What do we do to counteract AI, artificial intelligence, and VR, you know, virtual reality? We need to break bread. We need to talk and discuss and actually share real emotion with one another. And this has inspired me, of course, to go out on the road and continue to meet all of you please email me at, or email my assistant at info at accessibleastrology.com if you would like me to come to your town, by the way. But right now I'm in Colorado and I am in the mountains of Colorado and there's something quite spiritual about the mountains of Colorado because what I learned on this trip is Colorado is like literally in the middle of nowhere, two days from anything. And I think because of that, there's this certain energy here that is almost indigenous, almost pure and not entirely pure, obviously, because indigenous people did once roam these lands not that long ago, about a hundred years ago, but there's still that energy of ceremony here. And I want to make use of it while I'm in Colorado. I don't know how long I'll be here, probably not too long. But while I am here, I would like to connect with all of you who are in Colorado, in or near Colorado. And there's a lot of really big shit changing uh, the week of November 5th. Okay. The nodes will be shifting literally on the day of the election, which is like so poetically perfect. I can barely handle it, but also Jupiter will be shifting into Sagittarius out of Scorpio. And so I want to gather and break bread with some of you to honor this massive change that is going to happen this fall. 
and to hold the space and create ceremony around this change. And this weekend that I'm putting together in a cabin in the mountains of Colorado is going to be called the Council of Grandmothers. And I'm inviting 10 women to visit Colorado, or if you live here, great, but to join me for this weekend. So it's going to be the evening of Friday, November 2nd, uh, and then the, the whole day of September, or excuse me, Saturday, November 3rd, and then we'll be leaving the afternoon of November 4th on Sunday. And this opportunity is one where I want us to gather around the fire and I'm going to guide us through this change. So it'll be a lot of teaching from me, but also interactive stuff. I have a lot of tools in my tool belt around ceremony and holding space for this change and setting intention with each other and honestly breaking bread with one another. And I actually want the women who come to this sort of last minute retreat that I'd like to put together to bring food, you know, bring your, your recipes, your grandmother's recipes, and let's share with each other nurturance because the key to the next two and a half to three years is cancer. We've got big, big transits coming up in 2019 and 2020 and cancer is the key to it all. And that is the council of grandmothers. And so is Capricorn. In fact, but if you are interested in joining me for this weekend, please be sure to sign up as there will only be 10 spots available. And there's options to sleep over or you can stay somewhere else and come over. Uh, so these are options available on the website. So accessibleastrology.com under about go to upcoming events and you can sign up there and spend the weekend with me. And it's a pretty affordable price um, really to just cover the lodging. I just really want to get to know all of you more. I want to be doing the in-person uh, events or gatherings more. This is my, my goal. <laughs> um, and so please look into that or email my assistants or my team, excuse me, at info at accessibleastrology.com for more information. Last announcement. Um, I, well, second and then I have a third informal announcement. But the second is the goddesses. It seems very clear to me on this tour that you all are really jazzed by this goddess stuff. And I think because I've been using goddesses in my, my work for so long, um, I, I forget that this is new to a lot of you. And, and so I will be teaching a six-week course on the goddesses. And I've been offered the great opportunity to um, speak for the International Academy of Astrology, which is the oldest online astrology school. And you can find that at astrocollege.org to sign up. But it's a six-week course going through my interpretation of the goddesses and going into feminism and what's happening right now and how it has everything to do with Eris. And I've done a lot of research on Eris and I love Eris. And so this six-week course is going to spend an hour and a half thoroughly going through this topic and the psychology of the female mind, which is not covered in astrology. Jupiter does not represent how a female thinks by and large. Uh, neither does Pluto, Mercury, all those dudes up in the sky. They represent a portion of how the female brain works, but the goddesses really give us the archetype of how women work, whether it be jealousy, whether it be um, passive aggressiveness, whether it is um, 
um, spitefulness and, and warring with words because women bite with our mouth, not with our fists oftentimes. Uh, but this, this information is for men and women, of course, but the six-week course will give a very thorough dive into this archetype, into this psychology. And then I'll be offering um, workshops with the people who attend that afterward um, to really go into each of your charts to actually really workshop through this and to really understand what does series mean in your chart? What does Eris mean in your chart, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you can find that at astrocollege.org. And, um, Last but not least, the Scorpio series will also have a live webinar for all the patrons at the end. And I will be doing that on Saturday, November 17th. It's going to be a two hour long webinar, live webinar with all of you patrons to really go through the four week series that I'm doing the Scorpio series on sex, death, money, and food, um, all the topics I associate with Scorpio. And that will be talked about more in the second episode this week. I think that's it. But in this episode, Tark and I talk about the changes happening for the rest of 2018. And if you want to really think about it, it's really going to change. <laughs> I've been doing astrology long enough to know that every time the nodes shift, it's like the entire collective consciousness almost shifts exactly alongside it. it almost to the day, it's 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 mind blowing actually. And, uh, this is why astrology is so absolutely legitimate because you can see it. So for the last, um, 18 months, since the nodes were in Leo and Aquarius, and that happened in May of 2017, there's been a lot of chaos. There's been a lot of talk about narcissism with Leo. Um, there's been a lot of riots and a lot of, um, protesting and people coming together to protest, which is very much Aquarius. Uh, a lot of sense of fear and, oh my God, what's going on in this world? It's so scary. Uh, has been happening since the nodes were in Aquarius and Leo, which is typical. I mean, this was the Cuban Missile Crisis and 9-11 and events that really shock our system happen during these nodes. And, you know, you can look back to the nodes before that and see what was popular then and all the celebrities who were dying and the, the organizing with Pisces and Virgo. And so, you know, we can think about some of the people who have been very predominant during this time, like Trump and um, Jordan Peterson, who has had a nodal return. Roseanne Barr, I just found out about her comments and was watching some interviews with her. Uh, she had her nodal return during this time as well. So not only does the whole topic of the collective consciousness feel the nodes and the news stories respond to the nodes and the conversations we have with others respond to the nodes and the generations are sparked by nodes. In fact, the Pluto Leos are so sparked up right now. Like I think because of the current political situation, people are letting themselves be angry and that's pretty typical for this nodal placement. And it's almost like, it's popped off a lid of the Pluto Leos that I like maybe was like, I don't know, on, or I don't know. I don't, I can't say, but the way the Pluto Leos are talking right now and just the hatred in their voice and the vindictiveness and their feelings and their anger, which is valid. You know, they lived through Vietnam and they lived through um, women's oppression and things of that nature, but it's really blowing my mind how this nodal shift has affected them. And I predicted it would, I predicted the majority of my clients would be Pluto Leo. And that has of course been the case uh, the same way when the nodes were in Pisces Virgo, my majority of clients were Pluto Virgos. And so now when the nodes shift, 
it moves into Cancer and Capricorn. And the only generation walking on this earth is the Pluto Capricorn babies. Um, so that'll be interesting. So I might expect to see a lot of their parents in my practice in the next 18 months. Um, but this is stuff to start thinking about. And of course, this is what the workshop here in Colorado is going to go into. We're going to go into the bigger, bigger conversation and really into the feel of the change and to hold that space for the feel. So, so this episode is going to talk about some of that and just how to get ready for the rest of 2018, because it really is a big, big shift the week of November 5th with, um, the node shifting and, and Jupiter leaving Scorpio into Sagittarius. And so I talk about that in, with Tark in this episode. So I think that's it. I mean, I'm really, really jazzed up. I mean, from everything I've been learning and observing and, uh, and I just can't wait to share it with all of you. So listen to this episode, enjoy this episode. This one is available on video for the patrons. I'll be posting this in the patron group on Facebook and Patreon. And uh, you can kind of watch Tark and I's interaction, which is um, weird uh, because it's filmed weird. And so it's like, you know, when he talks, I stare at him and vice versa. But nevertheless, it's kind of fun, I guess, to watch us interact uh, through this episode. So enjoy this episode. And I will catch you on the next episode for this week, the Scorpio series, part one, all about sex. So enjoy this episode and... We will talk to you soon, or I will talk to you soon. And here we are back for an episode. Here I am back for an episode with Tarek as my guest this week. We are recording this episode from Montreal, Canada, where we have been for the last few days on our epic tour around North America uh, to follow our astro lines and many other things. And of course, I have been giving lectures along the way, which has been amazing. But I talk about all this in the intro, so why do I keep talking? Without further ado, Tark, welcome back to Bridging Realities. Oh, thank you, Eugenia. So nice to be back with you. <laughs> and aren't we all so happy to have your voice back with us? Your smooth <laughs> DJ uh, British voice. It's silky smooth. <laughs> well, thank you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so we are uh, on this amazing tour, and we're having a lot of fun. We're in this amazing city called Montreal, Canada, and I've got to say, I did not expect, A, that we would be here, or B, that I would be so incredibly in love with it the way I am, uh, but last night, after we rolled in, we looked a little bit more into our astral lines in this area of the world, and we both have really beautiful lines actually going through Montreal, including Jupiter and some other beautiful um, signatures in the chart. And we were looking at our natal charts, at our progressed charts, at our composite chart and progressed composite chart uh, to look at these lines and just get a feel of, do we genuinely feel different in different parts of the world according to our astrocartography lines? And, you know, we're very fortunate, Tark and myself, that we have now been in five different countries during our relationship and many, many um, states now and all over the world. Uh, and actually, 
three continents. And we have felt distinctively different at all of these lines, including Pluto and Saturn that we had in Egypt felt distinctively different than than England, et cetera, et cetera. And so is there anything you want to say about that? I don't want to get too far involved into this topic on this episode because this is a conversation that will be reserved for a much longer conversation or workshop with those of you listening. But is there anything that you'd like to say for now about astrocartography and travel and astrology? Sure. Yeah, I, def- I definitely think it's an interesting, um, you know, very, very interesting subject. Um, I'm sure many of the listeners who are into astrology will have felt compelled to go to places because their astrocartography suggests it's a good place for them to go. Exactly why we're going to Boston tomorrow, yes. because it's apparently one of the best places on the on the earth for me. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens when we go there tomorrow. Likewise. I think we have to be very careful with astrology not to get wooed by what we perceive to be good because we might end up going somewhere and it not turning out the way we wanted. So we have to sometimes get invited to these places. We have to kind of allow nature to kind of unfold to make it more effortless. Having said that, you know, we're going out of our way to come to the East Coast and... You know, I've known about Montreal since 2000 when I went travelling and um, and now I'm here, you know, literally so many years later. But for Eugenie, obviously, you didn't know that this place would be so right for you, but you've come here after having travelled around Europe and places yeah. like that and you feel very, uh, you know, feel very enamoured by this place. Enamoured is a good word. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be very interesting to see what happens um, as we continue this tour. Um and likewise, one thing I do want to say about astrocartography, just like the nature of astrology, really, and experience in life, is that it's always evolving. So, for example, a Saturn line might seem pretty tough, like Egypt's always been quite a tough place for me growing up. But then as you get older, you get more used to things. That's a very Saturnian aspect, just like Chiron. You know, the more that you play with that energy, the more it becomes more fulfilling as you get older. Yeah. So I think that's also something to bear in mind when people get wooed by the idea of astrology has all the answers to all the questions, which I think is a danger of astrology. And I think people can get very fixated on, you know, nothing wrong with the you know the, the exploration of life and thinking, well, this has given me an idea to go there. But I think there's more to it, you know, if there's an invitation there. Like I've been invited to America, for example. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to put that in people's consciousness, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the ongoing dance of astrology is to utilize it and not let it dominate you and control your life either. That's It's about co-creation, our life and astrology. It's both. And if we get 100% wrapped up or consumed in any aspect of our astrology, we've certainly lost our free will at that point. And what astrology, I believe, has the potential to give us is actually more free will to be more conscious about what's unfolding in our lives, around our lives, and to respond to it from a place of sheer gratitude because you recognize the astrology and the intention 
of the energy that is happening in in your life, in one's life. And I think that is the great potential of astrology is to empower us, not to disempower us. So I'm really happy that you brought up that point. And, uh, and, and if you are interested in exploring your astrocartography, I do relocation readings. Uh, it's on my website at accessibleastrology.com under book now. And a relocation reading is uh, it's, it's written that way. Maybe I should change the way I write that reading, the title of it. But what it is, is an opportunity to explore these lines in your chart. And astrocartography is not just about where you might find yourself in the world and what energy you might feel around the world, but it also talks a lot about the people from around the world that you will attract into your life. So for example, I have Mars and Venus in England. And Tark is from England, my partner. So I found love from an English person and uh, it comes much easier to me than... Uh, an English gentleman. An English gentleman. Right? <laughs> and I've always had a strong attraction to England. And for whatever reason, my mother is an Anglophile, she calls herself. And so I was raised around Br- British movies and British shows and British books. And so my mother was always obsessed with England. She went there when she was young. And so I was raised by a mother who put England into my consciousness in a very strong way. And so perhaps that was part of why I was attracted to Tark as well. Who knows? It's a bunch of things. But it's funny today, you know, you mentioned today, didn't you, when we were in Montreal, because, you know, Montreal, it's amazing because, um, you know, it's French dominated area. Yeah. And it's very a little English. And it's yeah. a different country. So for me, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's very much like Europe. I mean, maybe I'm spoiled in that regard that I've seen a lot of Europe. But for someone who lives in America, you know, coming here, it's like, wow, this is wildly different from America. That's what you said, right? Right, yeah. And also people are speaking French. But for you, you like that because in your chart, you're very familiar or comfortable with the idea of the foreigner, aren't you, or, or a foreign travel, right? That's right. Yeah, I have my son in the ninth and a lot of stuff in Sagittarius in the seventh. So I'm always much more comfortable in foreign lands, absolutely. So that, So that in itself would be... Something, if you knew your own chart, you know, how you could sort of think, well, you know, I'm familiar with, like, leaving the nest or, you know, it's okay for me to be in a country where there's a different language, right? As an example. Yeah, like, we, this morning, we went for breakfast and the menu had no English on it. And I just got really happy. (laughs) And I didn't expect that in Canada, to be completely honest. So that was just a nice bonus of this trip, we kind of, like, I knew we were going to a foreign country, Canada, but I had no idea how foreign it would feel here in Montreal, and it's just, for me, it's very lovely. But enough about Montreal, babe. Let's talk about the astrology of 2018, the, the, the last part of 2018. We were just recently in Detroit, Michigan, which was also surprisingly fulfilling, and exciting for both of us, uh, which I didn't expect. I think maybe Tark expected it a bit more. It was a lot more. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. It was a very, very fun energy. And uh, again, we have really interesting lines running through Detroit and Chicago and that whole area. And we did a discussion. We had a discussion, a gathering in my friend's uh, furniture design space in where, Ferndale. 
in the Ferndale location in Detroit. If you're in Michigan, go check it out. It's Nine Furniture and Design. And it was an open arts walk type of a thing. And so a lot of people come in and out from on the street, which is just kind of hilarious. And, uh, you know, it was it, it made it a very interesting conversation because it was open-ended and strangers could show up. And anyway, and so we're talking about the Equinox and we're talking about themes of the rest of 2018. And you can watch that video in the Facebook group for patrons who support the work that I am doing. Um, but I wanted to kind of summarize that two and a half hour long conversation <laughs> um, with you and I just kind of going over some hot topics from that conversation. What's, what makes that conversation a little bit interesting and unique is everyone's sitting around drinking like Paps, Blue Ribbon, beer or whatever. And they're like, and everyone's having like a really good time. Uh, and people are talking about their stories. And I thought that was something very beautiful and organic that came out of our event in Detroit is that it was much more a co-creative process. It was very unifying and uh, I don't know. It was just like a a very tribal experience. It was incredible and I loved it. And so uh, if you want to watch that, please be sure to um, join us at patreon.com backslash bridge realities to join the tribe. But for those of you listening all over the world who want to hear a summary of this event, I'd love Tarek, my love for you to to start us off. And I I do want to mention just really quickly that I was in Egypt during the summer solstice of this year, and I believe it's episode 74 where I'm walking through the streets of Cairo ruminating or thinking on the the energy of this the summer solstice and what that would intend for the next quarter until the spring equinox and actually until the summer sol- or the winter solstice. And I, and I say in this podcast, and this was before I realized I was leaving Egypt, was this is going to be a challenging summer for relationships or not even challenging, but there's going to be a, a strong focus on relationships and on learning to balance the I and we and to be able to to be co-creative and to re-identify our relationships, whether that means we need to end them or that means we need to re-identify them or create new rules around them or whatever that might be is kind of what I said the theme would be really until the winter solstice. But it's a good episode to go back and listen on to. And it's also awesome because you get to listen to the streets of Cairo, which is very cool because Cairo is awesome, super awesome place. But Tark, I'd love for you to start this conversation off with maybe a little bit about the the fall equinox that we just experienced and also some ideas about what energy to be expecting the next um, quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating, you know, as one gets maturer and older because, um, you know, we were reflecting yesterday on this tour, like, you know, how tired, you know, I felt just by going on the road. And, you know, as a 20-year-old, like 20 years ago, I hate to say it, um, you know, <laughs> I would have been very different experience to what, I'm, you know, to what I'm saying now. So, you know, as these cycles continually progress, i.e. as we become older, we become more... We, we can allow ourselves to become more conscious of how we change. And that's the beauty of equinoxes, solstices. Like, for example, the other day, I said to you, didn't I, Eugenia, I said... You know, what What were you doing two years ago? 
And, right. and you were like, oh, right, I remember two years ago on the Equinox and you listened back to your podcast and you thought, right, that's what I was doing. Right. And that's the beauty of really celebrating or using ceremony with equinoxes and solstices. And the people at the talk in Detroit, you know, didn't really, hadn't really, you know, they, they knew about it, like people might be doing drum circles or all sorts of fun things, you know, to celebrate a time, which is really, in the ancients, as we study astrology, you know, equal day, equal night. So the spring equinox, if you're in the northern hemisphere, means there's more light as the autumn, the fall equinox means there's more dark. So the body, how it responds to that biorhythm or that cycle of life will naturally be affected by it because obviously we've got so much water in our cellular, cellular level that just the light will affect us, obviously depending where you are on the hemispheres, but still you will be affected consciously by the collective as well. So to honour that cycle or to recognise it is a really profound thing especially if you do it over time because you start to become conscious what you were doing a year ago two years ago or for the example of this particular equinox eight years ago which is very relevant to the venus retrograde so because there's so much going on a venus retrograde well it's in shadow at the moment but also this mars retrograde which is very significant in relation to the south node because Mars has been hitting that south node, was it three times? Mm. And because it's in Aquarius, um, you know, it's pretty intense kind of energy. For us in particular, we were affected by that in terms of separation and, you know, making the choice to come back together again. And now obviously we're still dealing with other aspects because Saturn is so significant in this equinox. Saturn's at two degrees moving forward. Jupiter will be joining Saturn in Capricorn next year. Pluto's in Capricorn. So this is what a lot of astrologers are talking about with this 2020 thing. So because of this difficulty that, that we're facing at the moment in this equinox, very much relating to the North Node in Leo, you know, following your heart, and then at the same time, We've got all these energies that we've had to experience this this summer and and uh, spring with Chiron going into Aries and also Uranus going into Taurus. So not to make it too complicated, all I'm trying to say at the moment is that we're finishing, as you say, relationship stuff, which is either with with the Venus Scorpio Jupiter in Scorpio transforming or dying you know it's, it's just it's very very clinical you know the surgical aspect of scorpio and it's a transformation energy so the mars retrograde especially at the critical degrees in capricorn and with saturn you know being the real mainstay of the entire next three years and um, we're really having to face big adult decisions and that means who are we with where do we want to be you know, is this the right path? And it's so deep because of the Chiron going back into Pisces, Neptune in Pisces, that we could be experiencing a lot of this family lineage stuff or twin flame energy, which I know sounds a bit hippie, but still, I get it now. You know, with us two, there's a lot of karma, right? Yeah. You know, not to bring our relationship into it too much, but, you know, how we've unfolded in this year it's 
very much against everybody else. It's very much, you know, and, and, and these sorts of things are playing out, you know, with family dynamics. Like, you know, am I with the right family, even though my bloodline? You know, am I in the right place? You know, am I going to be able to provide? So, the, so this equinox, what I'm trying to say, this cycle from this fall um, equinox, which is which in the Northern Hemisphere, it's about harvesting, it's about gathering information. With all this Scorpio energy now, about releasing, about facing the deep, dark truths, as we progress to the next solstice, for the winter solstice, there's going to be a lot more Capricorn energy. The South Node shifting into Capricorn. Um, and that's it. You know, it's like the emotional side of our integrity because that's the thing you see with capricorn there's an elder energy but there's a sensitivity because the opposite is obviously cancer so are we in, a, in in emotional integrity i think that's a very important thing for people to really think about it's all well and good being practical responsible providing money all these various things but actually and this is when we go to even deeper aspects of astrology where a lot of the planets and what their north node is pointing to is cancer so this shift in november jupiter coming into sagittarius this is all happening in this particular equinox cycle as well as the shift towards the solstice it really is a great opportunity right now to trust your heart the north node in leo and to really really have the bravery and the courage to just trust yourself enough to see things through because the idea of twin flames, soulmates, all this sort of stuff is still up for review at the end of the day. And we can get caught in the, in, I cannot do without you. And this, you know, I mean, there's a codependent aspect. We've all been suffering from this narcissistic, uh, masochistic experience over the last three years with the whole Virgo um, Pisces energy of the nodes. And now we're moving into a much more you know, who am I or are we responsible? Are we adult now? Are we making brave decisions? Are we doing things for service? Because ultimately we're going to be moving to much more Aquarius energy at the end of the day. So this solstice, this equinox, I say, moving towards a solstice is a very crucial time in discernment, personal integrity, but also emotional trust in know thyself. And... The, the, as long as we stick to our heart and trust that everything's going to work out, relationships will be in the right place, everything will be provided for, we can go into this dark scorpionic energy, allow this 40-day cycle, which is about to happen with the Venus retrograde, and see, our way, see a way through it. Let go of what no longer serves, and that's a death energy, this ending of grief, you know, just to be personal about it, you know, my father passed away last year and it's time to really sort of move forward and not lament in the grief, for example. But, you know, there's all sorts of relationships that are ending. And at the same time, be brave enough to value the other, to see it through as well, if it's about to transform, you know, and to come into a far more, you know, positive alignment, i.e., losing these fears and that's the opportunity at the moment with Chiron going back into Pisces to let go of this past life or this deep trauma to use that energy to really face the dark 
And hopefully, we can, and hope is the right word, we can move into this illumination of Jupiter into Sagittarius, get to the, a closer stage of the top of the mountain at the end of the year, <laughs> and be in a far better illuminated place to know, and that's the word again, to know that by the end of 2020 and moving into this Aquarius age, we've got it, we've got it locked with the right people. We're gonna get there, we're gonna be provided for, and that's why this time right now, before the nodes shift, is a very crucial time. In a nutshell, babe. Mic drop. What, what, what? <laughs> Check one, two. Uh... Do you guys see why I picked up my life and moved to Egypt <laughs> to be with this guy? To be continued, babe. <laughs> Oof, I could just listen to you talk all day. And I do. <laughs> hey, 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 the balance is not right at the moment. <laughs> no, oh, I love it. I love everything you said. And yeah, I think that when I think about this year, the energy of 2018, the big pieces that I'm compelled by are the obvious ones because that's the type of astrologer I am. And we have the Venus retrograde in Scorpio. We have Jupiter finally leaving Scorpio and entering Sag in November. And the node shift like Tark was mentioning, out of Leo Aquarius into Cancer Capricorn. And those are the big ones. A lot of the retrograded planets will go direct and blah, 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 and there will be other retrogrades. But those are the ones that I find to be the most compelling for this next quarter. And they're big shifts. They're notable shifts happening around the same time. Venus retrogrades, I don't know if if they're as noticeable from my personal experience. They, uh, they certainly have us reflect on our heart and reflect on what it is we love. And from my perspective of this retrograde, if it is in Scorpio, it is really bringing together the lessons we've been learning like you said, since the last time Venus was at this position in the sky, which was 2010, the fall of 2010, correct? And I don't have the so, dates yeah. off the top of my head. And um, and also Jupiter has been in Scorpio since last October, November time, last fall, let's just call it. And this Venus retrograde to me feels like a culmination point of sorts around things that have been coming out of the dark. And so those of you who listen to the podcast, you know, I've been focusing on the dark for many episodes now because I'm going with the energy in the sky. And that is looking at our shadow side, looking at our dark side, looking at things we don't want to look at. And the Venus retrograde in Scorpio to me is an opportunity to get really real in our relationships with each other. And that's not just our intimate relationships, that's our relationships with everyone. But this is this amazing opportunity to take the deep shit we've had to suss through this year or the deep thoughts that have come up into our conscious mind, um, deep fears and ideas around power, ideas around sexuality, ideas around food and survival and health and things that involve Scorpio 
to take those things that have been revealed to us, not just in our individual lives, but in the collective consciousness around, say, Harvey Weinstein, the Me Too movement, what that has brought into the consciousness of so many uh, people, you know, figures in the in the collective consciousness that have arose during this last year to reveal truths of of dark nature of of humanity to have us look at it. So um, notable figures like, say, Alex Jones and Infowars. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say that. But there's been notable figures who have been saying some pretty interesting stuff that has sparked a lot of controversy, and it's con- and it's sparking even more, and it's showing us what's really going on below the surface of things. Um, and that's just an example. And Harvey Weinstein and all the people who have been really strong figures since Jupiter moved into Scorpio, they are representations of our internal fears, our internal paranoias, our internal um, subconscious uh, behaviors that dictate things we do. For example, um, in the relationship with Tark, we got into a, a bit of a thing the other night and it really came down to my personal fears around money. And it was like, okay, so I'm acting this way because, oh, there's a deeper fear here than what it is I'm I'm actually talking to you about her, in my case, yelling at you about. Um, let's look at what's actually below the surface of this this fight or this argument or uh, this trigger. And that is that is the objective, I believe, of this Venus retrograde is to allot us time, energy, and focus onto what do we need to, to say to the people in our lives, in the relationships we have. Venus is about what we love. And this will not only be just relationships to humans, but relationships to all things we love. You know, why do we love um, maybe an addiction we have? Or why do we love the type of music we love? Or why do we love, you know, we're sitting here in this house in Toronto... (laughs) No, it's Montreal. Excuse me, Montreal. Oh, God, where are we? Uh, We're in Montreal. And this house is so unbelievably beautiful. I mean, it's really stunning. If you ever come to Montreal, I will recommend this Airbnb to you because it is a tourist moon's fantasy. And why is this? Like, why am I so drawn to this aesthetic? These are things that Venus retrograde allows us or invites us to do. Uh, and, and, and then is there anything you want to say about that, by the way? Venus retrograde? Yeah. In particular. Yeah. I mean, I think money is a big, big topic, you know, so it's right and proper, especially in relationship to be talking about shared resources, money with Jupiter there as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a biggie, you know, it's like, you know, it, and we've talked about this before, you know, like it, it's it's just as important the sex to, yeah. in, in the sensitivity aspects of talking about money. So it's very relevant that right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, yes, I think that, you know, if we are in partnership, let's talk about intimate partnership for a minute. If we are in an intimate partnership with someone Um, whether we're married or whatever that looks like, if we aren't talking about our sexual desires and needs and fetishes and fantasies, there's something that's okay about that. I'm a big proponent of keeping some of that to ourselves. We can't reveal everything to everyone. But if we have these deep fantasies or fetishes that are impairing the relationship with our partner, 
because we're being dishonest around them or we're not admitting them to ourselves or to our partner, these are the things we have the opportunity to look at. And it's important to have some mentorship and guidance around sharing these topics. These are not easy topics to talk about. That's why we keep them in the closet. And so things around our sexuality, our needs around sexuality, our fears around sexuality is a big, big part of this. The power struggle of sexuality right? That's a big, big one in relationships um, with all, a lot of humans. Um, this is a Harvey Weinstein thing again. Um, but yes, likewise, it's money. You know, who has the money in the relationship? Who has the power in the relationship? How much money do you make? Do you keep money to yourself? Do you share it? Do you, you know, are you skint on your resources? You know, uh, there's so many topics about money that will affect the nuance of every single relationship. And these are these opportunities to share it. Fears around money, hopes around money, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Because these two things, sex and money drive survival. And that's Scorpio. Like we need those two things to survive. So the next big one that's shifting is going to be Jupiter into Sagittarius. And I'm not going to spend as much time here because there will be more episodes coming out about this topic. Uh, but this is a fun shift. And I'm, I am going to hand this one over to you, my love. Um, you know, we have maybe about 10 more minutes to talk about that and the node shifting. But is there anything you'd like to say about this one? Because it's hugely significant to Tark because he has like a hundred planets <laughs> in Sagittarius, <laughs> including his sun and moon, North Node. Uh, Vesta, um, Mercury, Neptune, Mars, mm. Antares, of course, is in Sagittarius, and then everything else. He comes from the Sagittarius galactic center <laughs> yes, <that's> place. Right. <laughs> so Jupiter is going to about to, to float on over all of your planets. So um, what can we expect with that, um, and what should we be prepared for for that? In, in, a, in summary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, this is it's hard to sort of um, talk too much about this stuff in the sense that, you know, everyone's an individual, everyone's got a bit of Sag in their chart. You know, there's a whole generation of Pluto and Sagittarius, which if you look at evolutionary astrology is relevant. Certainly within the collective, there's um, there's a need for light during this um, Capricorn energy. A lot of people feel powerless right now or feel confined or... You know, let's say a lot of people I know are working their asses off, you know, and they don't seem to have any time. So how do we find hope? How do we find inspiration? How do we find a way out or a bit of respite, you know? And that's, I believe, the idea of Jupiter coming into Sagittarius to kind of maybe provide some light, you know, during this quite ominous or maybe for people who are more in, in integrity, who understand the nature of this evolutionary Capricorn process, that there is just... Steady, steady, getting to the top of the mountain, i.e., you know, Capricorn energy. So, for me, being a Sagittarian, being having, as, as, as Eugenie says, and big up to many astrologers, by the way, uh, back in the day who have helped me understand this aspect of my chart, um, because obviously the whole Saturn transit in, in Sagittarius was was tough, you know, for for many Sagittarians, um, and there's a bit of respite with that now. So maybe the validation... And one thing I have to say about my, my sweetheart here, Eugenia, you know, who very much was the one who pointed out the fact that Pluto was there in 2000, 2001, 2002. So for many people who suffered maybe a death and rebirth at that time in their lives, Saturn having 
come through in the last three years. This Jupiter energy coming into Sagittarius, obviously Jupiter rules Sagittarius, it really could be a lot of illumination, like philosophy, you know, like, you know, um, what's the word? Um, like, you know, the idea of recognition, remembering who you are, the philosophy of life, you know, it all comes together, basically. And what's weird right now is that I still have no idea what's going to happen. You know, I mean, I'm still suffering a lot of difficulty um, in terms of, you know, how I'm going to make my relationship work, how I'm going to make, how I'm going to provide, you know, how am I going to be there for my family? That's on a personal level. So everyone's suffering from this Venus-Mars retrograde aspect that we've all been going through. But the point I'm trying to make is the bigger picture, that's very much a Sagittarian quality. You know, there is hope, there is a way, there is light, there is optimism, there is fun. So I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say right now is that chill out, you know, like sort of rest and relax into the optimism that there is always a story to be told. There is always a journey through difficulty that people talk about later on in life, the storytelling idea. Um, we need to lighten up. We need to just relax a little bit. We need to kind of chill. Yeah, love it. Those are great ways to describe that, my love. Uh-oh, hold on. Got to readjust the camera. Oh, no, again. There we go. Oh, I like that. Teamwork, babe. Teamwork makes the dream work, they say. I love that. We've got some cool pictures hanging behind us. This is all on video for those of you who our tribe members, uh, so you can watch our dynamic with one another. And so, um, yes, I'd like to also just add that there's a lot of light aspects about Jupiter moving into Sagittarius, but I just want to mention the dark aspects. Sagittarius is the philosopher who always has to be right. And it's about values and beliefs. And I, re I always relate Sagittarius to the season of Thanksgiving in America where you get at the table and with your family and start fighting because you have different ideas, values, and beliefs. And this is, to me, the, the thing to be aware of with Jupiter and Sagittarius is thinking that you're right. This is the caution of Sagittarius, is being an idea that my traditions, my values, and my beliefs are better than yours. And this is going to, I think, play out in a political and a cultural uh, battle uh, because we love to fight over those things, and that's what causes a lot of political up, uh, unrest um, and things of that nature. Well, my culture is better than your culture, right? So, for example, we're here in Montreal. It's very French, uh, and, and it's very different than America. And, in fact, this morning at breakfast, I overheard some um, typical shit talking about America, and that's cool. It's, it's all good. Everyone gets their opinion, and, and there's a lot to be agreed about. But this idea that I know better than you do and my culture is better than your culture, this is the caution. Uh, and I will go into this at much more, much more length before the shift happens. So just be aware of that. It's hard to win a battle with a Sagittarian. I really wanted to add something because I think it's a really, really good point you made there, Eugenia, which I didn't, you know, I've been so optimistic, didn't even see. 
Um, but, you know, it's a really, you're right, because obviously there's a lot of arrogance with Sagittarius as a, as a dysfunctional aspect of Sagittarius. Yes, there is. No, well, <laughs> Aquarius, it's, it's worse, to be honest, love, so let's not go there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, the point I'm making is just, just trying to agree with you here. Oh, you know, look at that. Oh, so maybe the teacher allows the student to find their own way. Now, now, now and again. Um, no, but the point I'm making is that, um, you know, what I'm trying to say just in relation to what you're saying with this equinox yeah. and with the Capricorn energy, which I think is a fascinating point you made there with Jupiter, um, there could be a lot of fanaticism, which I really want to bring in, you know, the yes. idea of, you know, the leadership aspect in relation to Capricorn. All the, If you look at the world right now, you know, there's a lot of leaders dominating. I mean, everyone's like a dictator now. So with that energy of Jupiter coming in and, you know, like say, I know what's right, I know the way, and the philosophy that, you know, is better than somebody else. There could be a lot of, like, you know, like, fanatical leaders yeah. talking a lot of shit. Yeah. You know, because in the day, it's all bullshit, you know, the idea of, you know, hot air, Sagittarius. And at the same time, people who think the, the delusional aspect of Sagittarius, the fanatic aspect of, you know, Jupiter. Yeah. You know, being like um, like a religion or yeah. the things that become so extreme. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point you made Thank there. You. I didn't even see that. <laughs> well, yes, this is things to think about. And, yeah, I think that's a great point about the fanaticism. And be very cautious for the next year about who you follow and how you lead. Yeah. And I'll leave that for there for a more intense workshop that will be coming up. <laughs> and speaking of workshops... There will be a workshop on the node shifting into Cancer and Capricorn. I have had such a pleasant time with you people in real life and actually having real life conversations with listeners of the podcast and not just seeing numbers on a um, statistic thing and not just seeing names on a... Uh, Instagram post or Facebook post, but actually seeing your faces and connecting with you and having conversations with you has inspired me to continue to be doing workshops in real life with all of you. And so I will be holding a two-day workshop in Colorado. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, I'm going back to Colorado for the nodes shifting into Capricorn and Cancer. And please stay um, posted about that. I'll be doing a lot more um, preparing you all for that lecture because I've learned a lot on this tour. And uh, I want you to just be putting it into your notes um, to just be aware of if you want to come to Colorado. I'm just thrilled if you want to come see me in Colorado. But also if you... Um, uh, uh, what did I want to say? <laughs> if you want to, uh, if you're in Colorado and you want to spend a weekend with me, uh, it, it probably won't be a retreat type thing, an overnight thing. I'm, I'm not um, saying that's what it will be, but I would really appreciate you reaching out to me if you do want to come to an event with me in Colorado before the nodes shift. I believe I should know this. We thought so. It's the, I think it's the third 
Fourth. Oh, the weekend, you're thinking, yeah. Thinking the weekend, yeah, because it happens on the 6th, and so yeah. I'm thinking the weekend of the 3rd, 4th. In fact, absolutely, that is when I'm doing it. In fact, because um, it happens during daylight savings time, so that's a big one. And it's right before Jupiter moves into Sag as well because there's something quite interesting about um, this astrology of the node shifting and then Jupiter changing the same week. And this is going to be a two-day workshop uh, with me, with yours truly. So I'm going to start collecting names because it's going to be a limited opportunity for um, people, whether you're a tribe member or not. I don't care. Let's hang out for a weekend and talk shop. And uh, please email me and I will get you on that list. And I will have a limited number of people that I will be able to provide this weekend workshop with. So I'm excited. But just to say, uh, because we have to wrap up the podcast now, just to say about the node shifting, Tark said it earlier um, South Node Capricorn, we would love to hang out in Capricorn land the next 18 months. That's what we do. We get really satiated in, our, in the South Node. But the goal of getting through the next two years, which are going to be a wildly empowering time for the world at large, is cancer. Is to embrace the feminine energy of life, which is just let it be. Can I say? And Tark is going to say something as well. Got such a big mouth. Sag man. <laughs> I call him a Sag man. No, no, absolutely right. Sorry, babe, I won't, won't take too long if we need to wrap up. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, the thing is with this node shifting and this, like, emotional integrity, you know, and look at cancer, it's not just about, you know, like, the feminine. You know, there's more. There is, a, obviously, you know, it's a huge part of it, emotion. And emotional integrity, if you look at a lot of the way that the human dynamic works... You know, being in a happy state as of being into a you know a powerless state, you know, there's a lot of energy there that one can one can play with in the idea of response to certain crisis. And if we feel we're in a place where we're maybe not in the best place, how do we transform that? And that's what potentially this letting go. You use this opportunity now before the node shift with with Scorpio. Even even the Venus, you know, being in Scorpio all the way until pretty much December, then there's so much opportunity to sort of like deal with stuff, even if things get a bit a little bit more extreme. Remember, Chiron's in Pisces during this whole process. So there is opportunity for alchemical or healing aspects within oneself. And also, you know, not just the mother, but I'd say the grandmother. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time people forget that. And that's why a lot of people have been playing with certain medicines, you know, because the grandmother energy is where where a lot of, you know, we look at the Pluto and Scorpio generation, we look at the 60s, free love and all that kind of aspects of the idea of the Aquarius age or in the idea of the Pluto and Scorpio generation, fuck it mentality. But if we look at the grandma energy, you know, and this is very related to the Pluto and Libra generation, you know, why aren't you having kids, you know, like kind of thing? Because, you, you know, you, you, you're not having that experience of, of being a grandma. So that's something also to incorporate into the cancer energy is what I want to say. Um, but really, you want to be in the right place when those nodes shift. Don't forget, sweetheart, Uranus goes back into Aries as well. Yeah. And that's a big deal, you know, in terms of what happened, you know, with uh, Fukushima or ending that chapter or for us, like 11th house stuff, you look at your house system, <laughs> discernment, you know? Yes. Well, I'm discerning us out of this conversation. <laughs> we both have Gemini rising, and we're both super sad. So you, should, we... you shouldn't let me back on. 
It was a mistake. We can't shut up. And to be completely honest, I would let this conversation go on forever, but literally I am at this Airbnb and need to meet the host. She needs to meet us at, to give us a light bulb because everywhere I go, light bulbs go out. It's a theme. I'm very Aquarian, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> so hopefully that's been of benefit anyway. Yes, that's right. So that is the hope. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversation. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, um, and if you want to see the full conversation and the full discussion, which is super, super hilarious and fun and entertaining um uh, the 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 conversation we had in detroit please consider joining the tribe and for ten dollars a month you support this work that i am doing to give you this information every week for free so that you can use this in your life and to integrate it and with that ten dollars a month you're just saying hey thanks eugenia for supporting me and uh, and i'm giving you some extra loving for the support so please be sure to check that out at patreon.com backslash or maybe it's slash bridging realities there's a chance i've been saying it wrong this whole time but look it up it's there on patreon so Tark, my love this has been lovely to have you back on the podcast i hope you've enjoyed it as much as i have yes babe and it's even better to have you here physically in person Aww, love this guy and i love all of you so be well take care and a lot of love see you hear you next time thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you received valuable information be sure to subscribe to bridging realities on itunes and i would love if you left me some stars and a good review for more information about this episode and past episodes and to find out more about learning opportunities the bridging realities tribe or to book a reading please visit accessibleastrology.com Thank you all so much, and I love you.